0: Central at noon on Sportsnet 960.
1: The Fan. Oh, Finally, it's a game day. Flames and St. Louis Blues. It's Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, and an hour of hockey talk as we get things going live from Calgary in the Basement Systems downtown studio. We have a busy show today. We've got uh, our fan crew. They are busy at the Core Shopping Center helping us out with our 50-50 draw with Kidsport. I'll be at OPA later on today trying to sell some more tickets as we grow and grow that uh, that giant jackpot. We'll hear from our NHL insider, Eric Tehetschuk. uh No BS with uh, the one, the only Brian Burke. But first, let's find out what's happening with the game tonight and talk to Lou.
2: Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Imagine your life, your style. Your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca.
1: Hello, Peter. How are you?
3: I am excellent,
2: thank you.
1: We got the, uh, the soundtrack in the background. We are back in business on, uh, on Flames Radio. Looking forward to it. What can you tell us about the lineup for the Calgary Flames as they come back from their break?
3: Well, people should take note because game number 51, guess what? More changes. Ah. And more changes up front. And we can delve into that in just a second but cam talbot who will play for the first time since he knocked off the edmonton oilers on january the 11th will get the start with his 254 goals against average his four straight wins and his impressive 922 save percentage he gets the call against the defending stanley cup champion blues tonight up front only one line that will not change it is Kachuk, Lindholm, and Monjapani. Here are the rest. Gaudreau, Monahan, Derek Ryan, Sam Bennett, Michael Backlund moves back to center and playing for the first time in the National Hockey League since December of 2016, newly called up Buddy Robinson, leaving Lucic, Jankowski, and Dubé the regular six will go on defense, Jordan Brody, Hamanek, Hannafin, and Shillington and Rasmus Anderson. Whew, okay, that
1: is a bunch of changes, and uh, now that we've sort of, you know, let everybody know that, the, I guess the, the major moves are, are, are Backlund and Ryan, if you want to de- get into that a little deeper.
3: Well, Michael has not played a lot of center the last couple of months. He has been found primarily playing on the wing with Sean Monaghan and Johnny Gaudreau. So you'll hear from Jeff Ward in just a couple of seconds. But the one thing, Kelly, that a long break does is it allows your coaching staff, as we did on our hits last week, to reflect and now to try to go forward at a time that is so, so crucial for this team to see if they can break that cycle of year in, year out, year in the playoffs, year out. So, Michael Backlund goes back to his regular spot at center. It's not been an easy year for Michael. Six goals, 22 points, um, has done some really good things on the wing with Monaghan and Gaudreau, but... The team and the coaching staff felt that that was a move that they wanted to make coming out of the break. The other one, Derek Ryan. Derek Ryan moving off of center to play on the right side with Monaghan and Gaudreau. Now, there has been so much talk on either this show, on our radio station. Kelly, you can't mince it anymore. You really can't. If this team is going to find its way into the playoffs, their core best players, if you will, have to be better in the last 32 than they were in the first 50. That's You can look at it production-wise. You can look at it plus-minus-wise. You know The numbers are not good, and it's not necessarily in comparison because for a lot of guys, whether it was Gaudreau, Monaghan, Giordano, um, you know, Michael Backlund didn't have a career year last year, but he was one of the plus minus leaders in the league. I mean, it just, the numbers really in this case do tell a story. So Derek Ryan, though, Derek Ryan comes in to play with Monaghan and Gaudreau. And I see this as a very similar type situation to when Elias Lindholm played there. Because what do we know about Derek Ryan? Well, Derek Ryan does it all well. He's, he's a Swiss Army knife. He takes face-offs. Um, you know, he and Lindholm, for me, if you want to get other guys going on your team, and the two guys, to me, up front on this team that you can always count on just about every night to do it the right way and play the right way are Ryan and Lindholm. So Derek moves kind of in a Lindholm-esque role to play with Monaghan and Gaudreau. Backlund goes to center and here's Jeff Ward on what caused them to at least make these changes for tonight.
4: We really had a, a strong feeling that we needed to get Michael Backlund back into the middle. And so as a result, now that opened up a spot on the right side with uh, with Johnny and Monty. And when you look at the attributes of Derek, uh, number one, you know we feel he can skate with those two. Uh, number two, he's a smart enough player, I think he can read off him so that he can play with them. Uh, the third thing for us is that he's got a real strong uh, defensive awareness um, so that uh, we're able to let the other two guys play maybe a little more offensively and and he can uh, take a lot of the defensive responsibilities high Um, and we feel like he's able to produce you know he's a quiet uh, he's a quiet point producer in this league and, and people until they look at his numbers don't often realize how much he does produce
3: so here's the Derek Ryan story Mr. Kirsch Mr. Klein Who was the most consistent Calgary flame the last two and a half months of last season and a player who had a pretty good playoff? Derek Ryan. Yeah. 22 points in his last 31 games. Yeah, he figured figured it
1: out towards the end, right? You could tell that once he figured out the, the way Calgary plays, it took him a little while, but then he got his groove going.
3: Well, was there a more consistent line for this team down the stretch last year than Ryan Hathaway and Mangiapane? Not that I saw. 22 points in his last 31. This year, he has 25 points already, and he has 14 points in his last 21 games. He and Elias Lindholm, to me, are the Mr. Fix-It types because they play the right way, They do it the right way. And if you're trying to kind of kickstart other people, that's what you want to do. You want to give, you know, an anchor and not anchor in a bad way, but an anchor to kind of steady the ship type of anchor. So we'll see how that works for Derek. And again, for Sean Monahan, it also helps because it gives you a right-handed shot on that line to take strong side face-offs, which is different. With Michael Backlund, you had two face-off options when he was on the wing, but you didn't have the strong side right-handed option that Derek Ryan gives you in that spot.
5: Going to be uh, interesting to see how they all mesh together, and I, I do like that it's kind of a, a reward for that consistency for Derek Ryan. Like, hey, look, if you you do what we want you to do, there's going to be some, uh, some extra ice time for you.
3: Well, I wouldn't say that this team's mark has been consistency. It's been no. the opposite. And today's lineup tells you, in many ways, where this team is. 50 games in, they're still searching. They're still looking for combinations to work. They're still trying things in many regards to get their best people at a different level. Isn't that what this is all about?
5: Oh, 100% it is. Yeah, it's trying to get trying to get the consistency that Derek Ryan has brought throughout the rest of the lineup now.
3: So the two most consistent guys in, in many ways, Derek Ryan, Elias Lindholm, in terms of do you go out, do you do it right, can you be counted on in a lot of different situations? And you know, you heard from Jeff Ward. Listen, uh, I don't. I don't group Monahan and Gaudreau in the same category. I understand why people do, just because. Um, and it sounds harsh sometimes about one guy, but I, I do. I see some real strides in Sean's 200-foot aggressive, harder to play against game. Now, are the numbers down? Yeah, the numbers are way down. They're they're way down for all the best players when you compare them at this time last year. But, you know, in many ways, Johnny Gaudreau, right now, right now, more than ever, they need him to get back to a better level. They just do. That's That's the plain, simple end of the story. It's not all about one guy, but... You know, if you want your offensive driver to be a driver, you need more.
5: Another change, uh, as pointed out, Buddy Robinson getting uh, quite the opportunity with uh, Backlund and Bennett, Um, 28 years old, hasn't played in the league for a long time, worked his way back. This is a a pretty cool moment for him, I would imagine.
3: Well, it's a great story, and he and Johnny grew up together, so, um, you know, that's a neat little tie-in as well, but... Buddy Robinson is 28, six foot five, right-handed shot, skates pretty well. Um, has not played an NHL game since December 10th as a member of the Ottawa Senators against the LA Kings in the year 2016. That's a long time.
5: Wow! Yeah,
3: he's played seven National Hockey League games. Um, have mentioned chats. I had another one today with Flames development coach. Um, Ron Sutter, and asked Ron again about Buddy's play in Stockton where he has 16 goals, 30 points in 40 games, and asked Ron this morning about what has kept Buddy from playing more games at this level. And he pointed to one thing, consistency and being engaged and really taking care of the fine details of the game. He's had an excellent year in Stockton. He has been incredibly consistent. Remember that he gives you some size. He's a really good penalty killer, and it never hurts, by the way, chance is a penalty killer to have that size and reach and get in shooting lanes. That's a real benefit and a bonus. This team doesn't have a lot of right-handed shots. Mr. Klein and I addressed that again yesterday as something that might work in his favor. But, but this is a real feather for him and speaks again to doing the work, doing it the right way, and believing that your dream of playing regularly in the NHL is not over. Now, where it goes after tonight... Who knows, but it's not hard to see or hear in this clip from the 28-year-old from New Jersey that this is an exciting day and an exciting opportunity that he's been waiting for for a long time.
6: You work hard, and you never really want to give up on your dream, right? Um, still a dream of mine since I was a kid to be a full-time National League player, and, and uh, I don't think I'm ever going to give that up. So to be able to get a, a shot like this this late in my career is uh, is pretty special to me, and I you know uh, I'm excited for tonight. I'll get the uh, butterflies out and warm-ups, and then we'll just go out and play hockey like I know how to. Well, this is this is interesting.
1: Now, the, uh, the cynical part in me, uh, Peter and Peter, would— uh would wonder if this is having just something to do, having a huge guy in the lineup to get ready for the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow. But that that's just me being cynical. Uh, does that have anything to do with it, do you think?
3: Uh, I don't think so, because okay. in all sincerity, one of the things that has probably kept Buddy Robinson out of more NHL games is he's a really big guy, but I wouldn't describe him as being, you know, a real physical presence. I mean, he's a good skater and he's got really good hands. But again, going back to what Ron Sutter said, the one area that he's needed to work on is to be more physically engaged on a more consistent basis. And you guys both know this. Here's what can be really difficult when you're six foot five everybody expects you because of your size to go out and pound people that doesn't always go hand in hand depending on what type of a player you are but it is an area that buddy robinson has worked on and one of the reasons this team has struggled this year in scoring goals is a lack of getting into the house into hard areas And that is, again, what will provide an opportunity for Buddy Robinson to do. Listen, you don't give a guy a shot like this, and I I don't really think it has a lot to do with the Edmonton and another big body. I really don't. But it does have something to do with using your body to get to hard areas to create havoc. That is a huge reason this year why this team has not scored at the level they'd like to.
1: We're chatting with Peter Labardius, Flames, and St. Louis Blues. pregame at 6, play-by-play at 7. Yes, the defending Stanley Cup champions for the first time in their franchise history. The St. Louis Blues, fresh off the, uh, the All-Star game and a game in Vancouver last night, come to Calgary. Uh, and they are still very good. There's been not much of a hangover. In fact, maybe I think it's revved them up a little bit. This is going to be a tough one tonight, Peter.
3: They are team consistency. They, as Jeff Ward put so beautifully today, they do not beat themselves. They don't. And if you watched, as I did last night, their game in Vancouver, the score says 3-1, to one. The play did not, trust me, say 3-1. to one. They are big. They're heavy. They play the right way. They play as a team. They hold pucks in your zone and move it around as well as any team in the National Hockey League. Now, do they necessarily have superstar superstars? Not necessarily. And frankly, remember... Gents, they have been without Vladimir Tarasenko almost the entire season. Has it stopped them? No. Because they play the right way, and they defend well, and they have size, and they lean on you, and they are in so many ways team consistent. You know more often than not what you're going to get from this group, and you're going to have to earn it. And you're going to have to be patient. And you're going to have times tonight when we look down at the ice and they're going to hold pucks in your zone. But you're going to have to limit those times because it's going to happen. It happened a lot to Vancouver last night. And two things that helped Vancouver win a really important game in this incredible Pacific Division race is they blocked shots and they sold out and they survived especially in the third, the Blues push. The Blues are going to get their chances tonight. They're going to have their offensive zone time. And let's not forget about the last time these two teams played. It was no contest. November 21st, St. Louis, 5 nothing Blues, and it was all of 5 nothing. Now, the Flames are a way better team now than they are then. But... We said it all last week, saying it yesterday, saying it tonight. You're going to hear it now from Jeff Ward. You have 32 games left. You start with an incredibly important week, St. Louis, Edmonton tomorrow, Edmonton Saturday. Mr. Kirsch, you love music. To use an old foreigner song, urgent, not an emergency, but it's urgent. Here's Jeff Ward on what faces, what his team faces down the stretch.
4: I think right now it's just a, a collective awareness of where you need to be. You know, the guys know how big the games are, but we've talked about it before. You see teams get better at this time of year. Teams that traditionally know how to win have, have gone through that learning curve. So they, they raise their level. Uh, good players raise their level of play at this time of year. And so I, I think when you come together as a team, you have to collectively understand what is gonna be offered to you on a, on a nightly basis, uh, and you have to get yourself prepared for that. So guys need to, guys need to make each other accountable, guys need to you know, talk about you know, how important everybody's role is, guys need to really dig in, and it's, it's about getting the two points as opposed to, to maybe getting the individual points, and it's about paying attention to details.
1: Yeah, we've heard that a few times from uh, from the coaching staff of the Calgary Flames, and and it starts tonight, Lou. Well, let's just kind of review what uh, you had off the top because it was uh, it was it was pretty radical. Uh, the lineup changes and and what's going on. So the first line, we've got uh, Kachuk, Lindholm, and uh, Manjapani. Second yep. line, Goudreau, Monahan, Ryan, and okay, all right. All right. Number three, Bennett, Backlund, and Buddy Robinson. And number four, Lucic, Jankowski, and Dubay, And the same, same for the defense. And Cam Talbot will start in goal tonight.
3: That's it. Woo. That's it. That's I don't give them numbers. I let other people give them numbers. But those are the four groupings for sure.
1: Oh, my goodness. It is going to be awesome. We'll be listening tonight. At 6, and tomorrow we will rev up the hype machine as much as we can, but tonight, tonight, we'll get ready for the uh, Stanley Cup champions tonight. Lou, thanks for taking the time out, and we'll listen for you tonight.
3: Okay, guys, have a great afternoon.
2: Flames Insider, Peter Lubardias brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Imagine your life, your style. Your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca.
1: What surprises you with all that? Buddy Robinson surprises me.
5: Buddy Robinson's a surprise. Uh, Derek Ryan moving to the uh, the second line or the first line, I guess, depending on which number you want to put on it. That uh, while he's been playing well, that kind of catches me off guard uh, a little bit. And we're still going with the Jankowski thing, yeah, hey, like, even how- with Backlund back at center. We're still yeah. still doing that. All right,
1: that's that's interesting to see what happens. I mean, I I don't know how many lives that guy has, but he's better. He got to start. You know, he showed a little bit towards the, the end.
5: But um it gets the goal too. I guess that's kind of yeah. cool. Anyway. Yeah, and build off of a, a good game, albeit two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, so that, that is happening. So a lot to dig into uh for sure. Uh I gotta tell you, we're getting ready for craft hockey field coming up in just a little bit. We're looking forward to this because I had this a few years ago, and this was up in uh up in Sylvan Lake, and uh, we did an exhibition game there with the coyotes and jammed our guys in that arena, and just how proud the people were. Were it was amazing. Craft Hockeyville unites the spirit and passion of Canadian hockey communities while preserving the future of hockey in Canada by supporting local arena repairs. And they, Peter, they they come, they put their money where their mouths are. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. How about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in oh, arena upgrades. I'll help. And uh, I was just back in Saskatchewan watching a a, a deal about Fillmore, Saskatchewan. Little Fillmore needs mm. needs some help with their arena, and uh, and they really do. But I mean, 250 grand will really, really help out. Everybody knows that uh, the arena is the center of town for a lot of uh, places all over Canada. So, if you'd yeah. like to uh, get involved in this, you got to get your nominations in February the ninth. So, uh, and then they kind of just, you know, weasel it down from there. So, you want to get to it as quickly as you can. Um 13 years they've been doing this, 3.5 million bucks awarded. That's awesome. 81 communities. I mean, they've done it all. CraftHockeyVille.ca. Just get there, figure out what's going on, and who knows, $250,000. Now, you got some competition. Right. So make sure
5: that the, uh, the, uh, the story is a good one. Yeah, if you're going to do it, come correct, right? Like, you you got you to really earn this one. But yeah. no, I mean, growing up in small town Saskatchewan, like, the, like you said, the, the rink is the center of attention. On Friday night, everyone goes to watch. It doesn't matter what game is being played. Bantam? Uh, yeah, sure. Yep. A couple hundred people there to Everybody watch because it's happening.
1: And the burgers and fries are awesome. Oh, yeah. That's how that works. So get on at Craft uh, Hockeyville in February 9th. It'll come up uh, real soon. That's the deadline to get your uh, nominations in. Maybe we'll go uh, somewhere south. Somewhere a little town in Alberta. It would be awesome to do a preseason game for the Flames next year. All right, we'll take a break. We're going to hear from Ashley, who is busy uh, helping out with our 50-50. We've got Eric DeHatchel coming up next, too, as uh, we've got lots, uh, lots to talk about with our NHL Insider on Hockey Central at Noon. It is Hockey Central at Noon. I'm Kelly Kirsch with Peter Klein, and we also have the intern doing our trending now. So his name is Jason or Justin? Uh, Jamal, I believe. Jamal. Well, yes. that's good. Good to give these kids a... A good uh, <laughs> helping hand. And speaking of that, our fifty-fifty continues. Our citywide fifty-fifty continues as we're doing it uh, right till March the sixth. Somebody is going to be a big, big winner helping out Kidsport Calgary, and we're even doing it on the lunch hour. Our promo <laughs> crew is there. Ashley from Promotions, where are you right now?
2: Hi. uh um, Guest Services, Z. Inside of the core, uh huh, um, which is located on the second floor, right across from Purdy's, conveniently.
1: So this is the core shopping center. So for people who are maybe not familiar with downtown, this is uh, right on the C train line, very close to our station. And would what, you see you're uh, on the second floor, the third floor? How would you describe your location?
2: We're right on the second floor, um, so you can take an elevator right up, um, or right by the escalators as well. Holt run is a great way to act.
1: Well, there we go, and we are uh, we're raising money now. Tickets are fairly reasonable. Ash,
2: yeah, they're only five dollars a ticket. So if you have a twenty, if you have a five, we're good to go.
1: <laughs> and how do how do people pay? Can you can you just take cash, or what? Do how are we doing this?
2: Yeah, we take both cash and credit. Um, we have a machine that gives you a receipt right away, um, and you just fill out the ticket and put it right into our box. So it only takes about one minute to, to fill out. It's perfect,
1: right? And it goes to a great cause, and everybody knows how a fifty fifty works. Fifty percent goes to the winner, and fifty percent will go to the great people at KidSport to help all kids who they can play, so they can play. Now, let's say, oh my God, I can't get to the core. I'm not like Kirsch. I don't live like next door there. I, I've, I'm way in the northeast or something. How do I participate if I can't see, uh, you know, the guys at Shaughnessy today in Opa? How, how do I get involved on the interweb, for instance?
2: Um, you're able to go to the Sportsnet website, Sportsnet.ca/slash960 on our events page and then we have a direct link right to um, the ticketing website or KitsportCalgary.ca as well. Um, It's right on both of our homepages.
1: How long are you guys there for?
2: We'll be there until 1245, and we're here for the rest of the week as well every day.
1: Okay, so there you go. So look for uh, Ashley and the crew. Thanks so much. Thank you. There we go. There's Ashley Ostrander with our 50-50 citywide draw.
0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The fans.
1: Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein on a game day. Flames take on the St. Louis Blues. Pre-game at six. Play-by-play at seven. Time to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery. Just call them 403-248-3344 or go in and dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. He's in Los Angeles. He's Eric DeHatchuk, and I'm going to go not on hockey right now. I'm going to talk about a story that I know you've been following. Uh, the death of Kobe Bryant. You're in Los Angeles. You're, you're connected to the media scene down there. Give us a sense of w- what it's like. We found out that the, uh, the Clippers and Lakers have postponed their game tonight. That was supposed to go at Staples Center. I mean, it has hit everybody really, really hard. It's, it's, a, it's a sports story that's not even a sports story anymore. It's a world story. Give us a sense of what you're feeling and seeing in Los Angeles about uh, the death of Kobe Bryant.
7: Yeah. I mean, it just paralyzed the city. I mean, it just paralyzed the city. I mean, I was sitting at my computer on on Sunday morning, just, you know, searching the web and and saw that uh, come up and, uh, and, and and it's stunning. Like like it, you know, you have to read it twice. Honestly, I, I I think it was the same feeling that I had when I just sort of read about nine eleven on the computer the first time. You 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 can hardly process the information that is in front of you. You can hardly process that. And then you know, then in in the way of the world these days, if something appears on Twitter, you know, there's a part of you that wonders if if it is actually true, right? Because there are people that try to spoof. Uh, people on on Twitter, so you have to look for trusted sources to find out if uh, if what you're reading in, it did in fact happen. And when you realize, okay, this isn't some crazy person, you know, um, hoaxing, trying to hoax the world, but it actually happened. It just, uh, as I say, it paralyzes you. And then and then as more details come out, you know, like anyone who is a parent, you know, you just. You can hardly deal with that. You know, like you think about, you know, I was talking to a few of my, you know, hockey writing friends and, and colleagues in the industry and, and, and all of us had the same reaction that, that it's, you know, it, nine lives are lost, right. But, but, you know, but children, you know, like children who are just starting out, who have this whole world in front of them and their lives are snuffed out. It just, it, it you know, like you, you, you can't move for a while. You just, you just physically can't move. And so, um, yeah, it was, uh, and and it's still the same i mean it, you know like a, like a, the the numbness recedes a little bit with each passing day um but but here it it it's going to be a while before um before it, it fades into the background
5: this is one that has seemed to transcend basketball we've seen tennis players with tributes golfers had tributes um the, the other night or last night the um, Kings goalie had uh, "Rest in Peace, Kobe" written on, on Grammys, a Grammy's, right? The, the Grammys as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. so we've seen yeah. tributes all over the world. Can you remember um, something like this happening with an athlete where it just kind of transcended that sport that they were in?
7: Boy, I don't know. Like I, I you know, n- no is the is the short answer. I do remember that when Payne Stewart died, the golfer. Uh, just because golf too is, is, is an international sport and he'd competed in a lot of different events ar- around the world that there was um, some version of it a little bit. But again, I, in those days, it, w- there wasn't quite the, the same social media presence. And so, you know, for example, like to me, the, the, I, like what sets this apart? Well, you know you have Barack Obama tweeting about it you know like you have as you say you know like i follow Novak Djokovic you know because the Australian Open is going on and so i have all these tennis players on my twitter feed so all of these you know you know like again the the, the most the, the elite of the elite athletes you know, Novak is standing there beside Kobe. I mean, they they've met them. I, I, the crazy thing is, like like he was a hockey fan. I'm not sure if that many people knew that. I, I remember being at a game at the at the Staples Center where he's kind of between the benches there with with his daughter. I believe it was the daughter that died in in the crash. Like he, he he liked the sport and he was, you know, he he and, and the other thing is that now the Lakers practice facility has moved in the last couple of years, but. There was a period of time when they shared a, a, um, a locker room with uh, with the Kings in the Toyota Sports Complex, where the Kings still are. And so the Lakers, you know, like when you would go in to do Lakers practice, I did it for a couple of years when I was still at the Globe and Mail because Steve Nash was playing for the Lakers. Um, there was a little bit of Canadian content there. So, you know, like there was, you know, like basketball players coming and going as you are coming and going into, into, into the hockey arena. And, I, you know, I mean, I, I don't pretend to have any... You know, contact with with Kobe Bryant at all. It just in you know in the back of a, of a couple of scrums a, a few times, but you know, being at. At Lakers practice, and, uh, you know, when they open the, the door, because most of the practices are closed, but they're out there, you know, just shooting hoops and this and that. And, you know, again, it's a very cool thing, you know, when you see these, you know, like he, you know, I mean, they're, they're, you know, he he was like a, a Wayne Gretzky or a Mario Lemieux or, you know, a, a player that was, was that elite. And then and, and when you factor in this media market and, and, and the resonance that it has, you know, like it's... Yeah, you, you know, you feel whenever you have even the most incidental contact, you feel like there's a little bit of a, a personal touch there. So anyway, it's, um, I mean, it's terrible. It's tragic. Um, you just, you know, there really are no words to, to describe it. And uh, it will take a long time for this uh, this city to recover from that.
1: It is Hockey Central at noon. We're chatting with Eric Jahachuk, our NHL insider. The uh, Flames get back at it after their break and the All-Star break. They they take on the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues, a team that came into the NHL, a part of those six teams that did in 1967, and they were kind of the last you know, franchise, really, to kind of get going and get that Stanley Cup. And we kind of wondered what they would be like because they sort of you know, clawed and hacked their way. You know, they were horrible by Christmas time and got themselves into the playoffs and got hot at the right time. And then everybody said, can they do it again? And so far they have been a model of consistency. They got a good goaltending, they got good defense. And even with some injuries, Eric, they have been a, uh, an incredible hockey team and no, no hangover so far for the Stanley cup champions.
7: And I'm really impressed by that Kelly. I'll be honest with you because, and, and, and actually one of the, <clears throat> the stories that, excuse me, that I'm framing in the next little while is going to be whatever happened to the Stanley Cup hangover because because you know, like the, the, just speaking of the, the previous year's champion, the Washington Capitals, if there was ever going to be a team that had a hangover, literally as well as figuratively because of all of the celebrations that uh, that they went through, you would have thought that it would be Washington. But they had another extremely successful regular season, uh, you know, right after winning the, the Stanley Cup. And so now you've, you know, for the second year in a row, the same thing has happened. You know, you have a team like St. Louis that, you know, in, by all right you theoretically, could move a little bit back to the pack. You know, anybody that felt that you know, like winning one championship, uh, um, you know, is is the, the goal that everybody has when they start out uh, in hockey. And and do you have the hunger then to to do everything that you need to 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 win to win another one? And, and the answer clearly is yes, they do. And so you know, you, I, I heard you speaking in the previous segment with. Uh, with Peter that, uh, you know, the fact that they've done this without Tarasenko for most of the season is, is really an extraordinary thing. You know, their, their, their forward group is, is good. But when you think about, you know, like Ryan O'Reilly, yeah, terrific. Uh, You know, Braden Shen, yes. David Perron, yes. Jaden Schwartz, yes. And it kind of falls off a little bit after that. They have some young players that are making an impact like Cairo and and Thomas. But but it it's not you know, like it's not McDavid and Dreisheidel, right? It's not, you know, Bergeron and, and Marshawn and Pasternak. It's it's a it's a very good group that plays like a team. I think that um, the fact that they have this collective size and and a a will to play a, a certain way I mean a lot of people that you you talk to will tell you that you know what does St. Louis and what do St. Louis and, and Washington have in common that you know that they, they they play a hard heavy game at a time when everybody else is is going for skating and skill so you know how do you win in, in today's NHL you need Players that are willing to to go down the middle to you know to play in the high traffic areas and the teams that are kind of perimeter teams are the ones that that struggle especially when you get to the postseason. So yeah, I've got nothing but admiration for for what they they've done and, and I think that you have to speak to, to Craig Berube, the coach there, you know, who took over on an interim basis. As you said, took a month for the message to sink in. Tremendous turnaround, you know, last year and and the message that he is preaching is still resonating very very well with that group
5: uh your latest up on the athletic right now is uh mock expansion draft which is always fun and kind of a reminder that there's another one of these things coming um a lot can change between now and then for sure but do you think we're going to start to see teams kind of factor in the uh, the expansion draft as more roster decisions get made in the next month here and then in the offseason as well
7: yeah and and probably closer to next year 's trading deadline is when when actual decisions will be made on the basis of of uh, of, of what you 're going to do with the expansion draft because as you point out there 's still a long way to go and, and and you know just a brief background so this is the third of, of these stories that i 've done and they 've been extremely popular with our with our readership you know they're, there 's a percentage of people that read our, our our website that really do enjoy those what if scenarios and so um, you know the reason that I keep doing them every six months is just because because readers seem to like them, um, but but I always try to to you know establish the the important caveat, which is that lots and lots can change. And I'll tell you, I, I mean, this this goes back to a conversation I had with George McPhee about a about a year ago. I, I was sitting with him uh, before a, before a game one uh, uh, back in December of 2018, I guess it is now. And uh, and I said, how many of the mock drafts did you do, and what were the values of them? And he gave me a great answer. He said, you know, we started doing them. in September we did six or eight of them, he said it was an extremely useful exercise because it allowed us to focus on the players that we thought might be available and so when we started dispatching our scouts around the National Hockey League, we didn't ask them to look at 18 players on every team, we asked them to look at five or six because we were realistic about who we might be able to get and let's see if we can figure out among these five or six potential individuals who might be available to us on all these teams, if any of them fit the mold of what we want because they wanted speed, they wanted uh, skill, they wanted to be like play with pace and they wanted to hit the ground running and be successful right away. So, uh, but the follow-up question was, I said, okay, so when you first started in September and then you actually were at the table in June, how many of those players that were on your original list did you actually end up with? And he paused and thought about it for a second. He said, yeah, I think only four or five or six, not (laughs) many. So, and that was in a very short period of time and we're still, you know, 17 months out. So, but having said that, you know, every, every manager that i talk to. You know, we'll tell you that they've got like a file there on the on the corner of the desk where they project their lineup out in in June of of 2021 and 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 knowing that they'll have a decision to make and and the the the, the big factor that no one considers is that, you know, in 17 months it's the it's going to be the arc of a young player's career going up, the decline of an older player Or, or whether a player plateaus in in the middle. So if we were doing this a year ago, probably, you know, Mark Jankowski would have been on your, on your protected list if you're Calgary. You know, if you were to submit a list today, he probably wouldn't be, right? So, you know, lots can change in, in 12 months and lots will change again in the next 12 months. But when we get to three weeks before next year's trade deadline, that's when, when some of the, the deals might be um, dependent upon how they imagine the expansion draft going, which will then only be four months from uh, from coming to fruition.
5: From a uh, – oh, sorry. You got one more? Uh, I can. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, just from a uh, a Flames perspective, uh, again, understanding a lot can change, uh, but it is Sam Bennett's name who would be uh, on the way to Seattle. I just wonder the the decision process behind that.
7: Well, so, you know, you know, you have to protect Monaghan, Lindholm, Goudreau, you know, the the usual suspects. Um, I think, again, we're protecting, right? So the way Dubé is trending up, the way Manjapani is trending up, I, I think those are now protected players. Um, like Michael Backlund is one of those guys that, you know, I mean, do you want to leave him? I mean, you have to leave somebody available, right? So, you know, just in terms of where Sam Bennett is, is fitting in on um, the current edition of the team, he does seem to be the odd man out. Now, I, I don't expect, like when they submit the list in 17 months, I don't expect that, that will he will be the the final name because I think that there has been some interest expressed by teams around the National Hockey League in him. So I don't know if he you know like possibly is a, is going to be a trade target this year, next year. Um, also, I, I think that you know that uh, let's see where where his career goes. You know I, I think that you know there are certainly I think there are teams around the National Hockey League that think that you know that we haven't seen the ceiling of of, of Sam Bennett and. Uh, and, you know, he does have a physical presence, and he has a, a, a draft pedigree, and there's, there's an awful lot of teams that that value that. So, um, But what I always say is that, you know, like, every team is going to lose one player, and the machinations you have to go to to try and cover everybody that you want to cover, the, the, the players or prospects that you have to give a team to do that, well, you know... Uh, a whole bunch of teams like Florida and Minnesota and the Islanders and Columbus realized, no, that's probably more trouble than it's worth to try. And those are hard deals to make. So sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and you're going to lose someone. So, um, so yeah, as a, like, if the thing were today, I, I think they would protect Dubé. I think they would protect, uh, Montepani and, um, you know, he would be in my view, the odd man out.
1: Eric, thanks for joining us on Hockey Central and we will talk to you on Thursday. All right. Thank you. There we go, Eric Tachek, right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It is Hockey Central at noon, and we have some trivia to play. Tomorrow, the Calgary Hitmen take on the Winnipeg Ice. That is correct. At the Saddledome, Yes, they do. We have a pair of tickets. Is they it, do. Is it a two, it's a two-pack? It, they come in pairs?
5: I believe so, yes.
1: Did I mess up your pile of stuff there? No, no. Let's have a look. Uh, we have,
5: have a look. pair of tickets. A
1: pair of tickets to go see the game tomorrow night, so you got to be able to go. And uh, the trivia question is quite easy. Um now the Winnipeg Ice. Now mm-hmm. they've had a few teams in the Western League over the years. Give me two names of two former Winnipeg teams or even just one. Let's make it easy. Okay. It's just you know, I'll give you the answer because you got that look in your face because you have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> about. So uh yeah, just text in the uh, correct answer either one. I am I'm, I'm thinking of two. I think there's three, but uh either one will 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 do. All right. And uh that's for the hardcore of the hardcore. And uh, gotta and I learned, learn this one. Yeah, exactly. So uh, text away at 960-960. zero nine six zero. We've got uh, everybody where they're supposed to be. Ryan is back. Pat's back. Everyone is ready to go. So Steinberg's ready to go. The Steinberg Show. It starts next on a game day. Ryan joins at two o'clock as we get ready for Flames and Blues. And next on Hockey Central, it's no BS with Brian Burke and Jeff Merrick.
0: This is No BS with Berkey and Merrick on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
8: Patrick Kane recently hit a milestone, 1,000 points in the NHL, the 90th player to do so in the league. Amazing. So the question becomes, where does he rank amongst the top U.S.-born hockey players ever? Brian Burke weighs in next on No BS
1: fridays at 12 30 eric francis joins hockey central at noon eric talks the inside stuff from the calgary flames on your lunch hour read them on sportsnet.ca see him on sportsnet west hear eric on hockey central eric francis fridays for the beltliner an upscale diner in the heart of the Beltline, line corner of 12th Ave and 2nd street southwest bacon burgers beer and brown liquor seven days a week check them out at thebeltliner.com eric francis fridays is only on sportsnet 960 the fan
8: berkey here's some names Chris Chelios, Mike Medano, Pat LaFontaine, Brian Leach, some of the greatest U.S.-born hockey players ever. Now that Patrick Kane has 1,000 points in his hip pocket, where does he rank amongst them?
6: Well, he's got a lot of hockey left yet. He hit 1,000 points, but he's going to keep going for quite some time. He's really in his prime. I had him in the U.S. program, had him in the Olympics. What's impressed me is how he's grown physically since he turned pro. He's ripped now. He's big. He's a small guy, but he's really put together well. And uh, so he's got more in front of him. I would say when when American players talk about this, they talk about three guys in particular and then the big five, really. So Mike Medano, who obviously 1,300-plus points, Hall of Fame. Brett Hall, Hall of Fame, 741 goals. Brian Leach, two Norris trophies, 1,000 points, 100-point season as a defenseman. But I think the big three the guys talk about are Kaner, Madano, and Chelios. Because Chelios, the longevity, the Iron Man, uh the ferocity, the the warrior, three rings. Mike Madano, who is a center, you know, again, positionally, you would rank these guys, like Tom Barasso would probably be the top goaltender. You'd rank these guys by difficulty of position. And Winger, which Kaner plays, is the least skilled position. So Madano will get nods because he's a center. Chelios because he's a D. But those would be the big three, I think most guys talk about. And then that leaves out some really good players like Pat LaFontaine, uh, Jeremy Roan, Keith Kachuk. So there's Americans are well represented. Actually, the golden age of Americans in the league was the 90s, and, uh, you know, Rod Langway and some of the other guys. So, Now you're seeing the next golden age coming, and Patrick Kane is leading that charge. You know what's interesting about Kane as well? And you look at
8: that next generation of hockey player. You go to Combine every year, go to the draft every year, and we talk about influences for some of these players. The majority of players coming into the NHL now say they were influenced
6: mainly by Patrick Kane. Mitch Marner is the first guy I've seen to come into the league that does the things that Patrick Kane does, where he comes across the blue line, slows down, moves laterally six or eight feet, and creates a space around him. And Mitch Marner does it well, too. But Patrick Kane's the best at it. He creates room and waits for people to join, makes great passes. And any time he gets a scoring chance, he's lethal. So he's a joy to have on a team. He's a great kid. But he's not done. We're not done hearing from Patrick Kane.
0: Stadium. Sunday, February 2nd. Miami, Florida. Super Bowl 54. Kansas City versus San Francisco. Sportsnet 960. The fan at Shanks is Calgary's home for the NFL. The biggest game of the year deserves the biggest pregame show of the year. Shanks Sports Grill. Two locations. Enter to win an NFL jersey after every quarter plus great food and drink specials. Shanks North and Shanks South. Your headquarters for the Super Bowl. Will Nault and Pat Steinberg are all NFL. All Super Bowl for four hours show starts at noon get there early for the best football atmosphere in YYC Super Bowl 54 at Shank Sports Grill with Sportsnet 960 the fan
8: Calgary want Brian to answer your question here use the hashtag HeyBurkey on social media thanks for listening to No BS